Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, May 8, 2018, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Please make note that we'll be in Arkansas for uh, our Starseed Quest for the next two Tuesdays. So after tonight, our next show will be May 29th, which is another Tuesday. Our special guest this evening is Len Caston, who's a UFO researcher and freelance writer. He is a former member of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena and the Mutual UFO Network, a feature writer with more than 50 published articles in Atlantis Rising and New Dawn magazines, and the author of The Secret History of Extraterrestrials and Secret Journey to Planet Serpo. In his book, Alien World Order, chronicling the history of the reptilian empire's influence on Earth and their conquest of 21 star systems, Kasten reveals how the human race is enmeshed in a skillfully concealed plot to enslave humanity and exploit our planet's physical and biological resources. In his book, Alien World Order, he shares new information about Hitler's pact with ETs and the reptilian influence on the Nazi state, and Eisenhower's treaty with the Greys to allow genetic human ET experiments in exchange for technology, and how these abductions led to the creation of a hybrid race under reptilian mind control. He also explains how Kennedy was assassinated by the CIA because of his plans to root out this Nazi reptilian presence. You can find all of his books at innertraditions.com forward slash author forward slash Len hyphen Kasten. That's K-A-S-T-E-N. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Jada and Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk Radio. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here at Blog Talk blog talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And for those who need healing of any kind, whether emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference for you. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power, you can find out when it happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it about three months ahead of your birthday to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first off tonight, I want to um, introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. 
Well, Hi, Anastasia. You, Ariel. Hi, everybody. How's it going? It's beautiful. We've got some finally warm weather, and I think spring has finally arrived. Long last, at least in my neck of the woods, and I think it's inevitable. Here we are in May 8th, so here we go. Well, we've got lots of news to cover tonight. We go between the sun and Jupiter. Now, Jupiter is opposite the sun. It will rise tonight when the sun sets. So watch for it ascending in the east in evening twilight. Then turn around and look for Venus in the west. Venus and Jupiter will be super bright as night falls. It will balance the two sides of your sky. It's going to be a very pretty sky tonight. Remember. Uh, And Hawaii is in a state of emergency, or or has been. A small tsunami followed the strongest quake since 1975. Now, most of you have heard this on mainstream news. I thought I ought to give you an update this evening. Twelve fissures have opened up. Evacuations have been forced. They tell us that Hawaii is in the grips of a massive volcanic uh, explosion after earthquakes triggered the catastrophic eruption of Mount Kilauea. With thousands forced from their homes and 12 fissures active, people are asking, is it going to erupt again today? Well, in response to the the public concern, Hawaii Civil Defense has released a statement saying hazardous fumes continue to threaten anyone in the area for long periods. They are cautious to note, however, that the danger is far from over as unpredictable activity continues. They uh, tell people, quote, please be aware that because of unstable conditions that involve toxic gas, earthquakes, and lava activities, lines of safety can change at any time. You must be prepared to leave areas if required, end quote. Scientists are forecasting the very real possibility of more eruptions and earthquakes, which could last for months to come. A spokesman for the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory said, quote, eruptive activity is increasing and is expected to continue, adding that activity would continue for weeks or months. The volcano is the youngest in Hawaii, yet thought to be the most active on Earth. It has been in an active, non-explosive period since 1983. Uh, But so far now, 35 structures, 26 of them houses, have been destroyed along with massive swaths of land and serious damage to major road in the area. Now, this period of heightened activity has been triggered by a flurry of earthquakes that rocked the area last week, culminating in a magnitude 6.9 quake on Friday with a small 9-inch wave tsunami. Now, further earthquakes have hit the volcano in the days following, and today, May 8th, a total of 62 earthquakes shook the coast of Hawaii at various magnitudes. The first one recorded just past midnight uh, early this morning. Hawaii's Big Island is not the only place that has experienced earthquakes today. According to Volcano Discovery, there have been a total of 123 earthquakes measuring less than magnitude 2.5 in the last 24 hours. The largest earthquake was a magnitude 4.5, which hit the west coast of California just before 5 a.m. There were no reports of injuries or damages to buildings there, but residents took to social media in California to report that the tremor had, had woken them up. And in the same vicinity, the Ring of Fire, an earthquake measuring 6.4, struck off the coast of the Philippines on Saturday. There were no reports of casualties or damage from the quake, and no tsunami warnings were issued. Well, boy, is it hot in Arizona. They have broken a 70-year-old heat record in Phoenix. I wonder how hot that might be in uh, uh, this time of year in Phoenix. What would break the record? 
how about 106 degrees? Uh, the previous record high for May 6th was 105 degrees in 1947. And 106 degrees uh, just yesterday was 14 degrees above normal for the date. Hot, hot, hot. And it's only May. And in the U.K., they have had heat. Record-breaking temperatures were reported in the United Kingdom yesterday. This is their record-breaking temperature in May, 83.6 Fahrenheit. They tell us that this was the hottest May holiday weekend on record. This was a holiday weekend in the U.K. People took to the beaches. They're talking about it because it was so hot for them, 83 degrees. Now, last month, U.K. temperatures topped 29 centigrade, bringing the hottest April day for nearly 70 years, which was preceded by up to four inches of snow in parts of Scotland, northern England, and north Wales, and Scotland faced its coldest spring for 39 years. It appears that maybe extreme weather is becoming the norm. And oddly, there was a 4.5 earthquake that struck off the coast of Louisiana. It was rare, magnitude 4.5 quake, struck in the Gulf of Mexico, about 160 miles southeast of New Orleans. According to the USGS, the quake hit at a depth of six miles. And there were no damages or injuries reported from that either. In the Netherlands, I thought about recording this and somehow playing it for you um, via the phone system, but I thought better of it. I'm afraid it might goof it up. What did I want to record for you? Well, strange sounds heard in the Netherlands. That is creepy stuff. You can Google that, strange sky sounds in the Netherlands. Just the other day, someone posted a video on YouTube. Sounds like a... It starts out like kind of a dull bell and kind of reminds me of crystal bowls in its humming, but then it reaches a fevered, high, shrill, very loud pitch. So more sounds heard in the skies. Netherlands reporting the latest one. Nobody knows what this is. Some people think that it's a magnetic disturbance. Don't know. Well, this is such a sad story. I hated to tell you about it, but it is news, and news is news. So they tell us that a dry winter and dismal spring has caused dozens of wild horses to fall victim to the southwest uh, U.S. drought. Off a of northern Arizona highway, there have been dozens of dead horses that have been discovered, surrounded by cracked earth near a dried-up stream bed. They were looking for water and couldn't find it. Experts tell us that this is due to the scarcity of water on the western edge of the Navajo Nation, following a very dry winter and very little spring runoff. And conditions aren't forecast to improve anytime soon. So the southwestern drought affects these wild animals as well as people. It's too terrible. Well, there were record temperatures in Pakistan. Now, in Pakistan, how hot does it get to be record? <laughs> That's a hot part of the world, guys. They reached a sweltering 122.5 degrees. Um, that's the world's hottest day, April day. The hottest day in April, on record, in the world, with temperatures peaking at 122.4 Fahrenheit. And if you want to know what that is in the metric scale, it's 50.2 centigrade. In April, average temperatures in Pakistan range normally from 64 Fahrenheit to 84 Fahrenheit. 
It's been claimed that this has been the hottest April temperature recorded across the entire Asian continent as well as Pakistan. Although earlier the article said it was the hottest in the world, so I don't know. I edit these articles, you know, I go over them and over them for accuracy, and then invariably when I read it to you on the air, I, I'm going, what? <laughs> so let's just say hottest in the world or hottest on the Asian continent, either one, very hot day in Pakistan in April. Oh, this is a this is a really amusing story. Any of you guys like to go to art galleries? I do if I get a chance. I like art. I love to go to galleries and look at art. Well, there's a new way to see art. The Paris, a Paris museum has begun to welcome naked visitors. <laughs> visitors at a leading contemporary art museum in Paris didn't check their hats and coats in the cloakroom. They left all of their clothes in the cloakroom. The name of the museum is the Palais du Tokyo. It opened its doors to nudists for a special visit by nudists on Saturday as a part of a widespread effort by French nudists to gain acceptance of the nudist lifestyle. Excuse me. <laughs> the, the Naked Art Show followed an arranged visit previously to a nudist restaurant in a nudist park previously opened in the French capital. Now, organizers say they hope to attract younger nudist members as they strive to eliminate neurotic objections about the nudist lifestyle. They're tired of having their activities limited to beaches and of being classed as a marginal category in, among the French population. Now, their museum visit was arranged before regular hours to exclude the company of clothed visitors. The bare-skinned attendees viewed an exhibit of contemporary art themed around the subject of discord. So there you have it. The French are quite liberal. And meanwhile, in Zambia, <laughs> a Zambia library is warning its half-naked female stu students to stop visiting the library barely clothed because it distracts male counterparts. This warning comes from the University of Zambia, the capital. In the capital of, excuse me, in uh, Zambia is Lusaka. That's the capital. And in this capital city, at the university, they have posted notices around the library telling women visitors to dress more modestly. The notice in the library reads, It has come to our attention that some female students dress half-naked as they use the library, a situation which is disturbing the male students. We therefore advise the female students to dress modestly as you use university facilities. Modest is the way to go. Well, the young women talk back. They reportedly uh, appealed to the university, saying, "Well, if, we, if they don't, if they don't want to look, they don't have to. They should keep their eyes on their books." But male students reportedly expressed great relief at the new rule, saying, "Women's bodies are attractive. How can you concentrate on studying when someone walks in a miniskirt or in a tight dress? You'll just start thinking about other things, and you can't concentrate." So from Zambia to Paris, we have two extremes. What an interesting world we live in. Well, should you drink organic coffee? A California judge has affirmed a ruling for coffee cancer warnings. A court ruling that gave coffee drinkers a jolt earlier this year was finalized Monday, yesterday, when a Los Angeles judge said coffee sold in California must carry cancer warnings. A superior court judge said Starbucks and other roasters and re retailers failed to show that benefits from drinking coffee outweighed any risks from a carcinogen that is a byproduct of the roasting process. A nonprofit group uh, sued 
uh, 90 coffee companies under a state law that requires warnings on products and in places where chemicals that can cause cancer are present. The coffee industry did not deny that the chemical, a, a, uh, let's see, i got to read this, acrylamide, the chemical acrylamide was found in coffee, but argued that it's harmless. They say that coffee should be exempted from law because this chemical is a byproduct of the roasting that gives coffee its flavor. While this final ruling clears the way for one of two things to occur. Either ominous warning labels will go on uh, on your coffee can and along with your cup of java, or there will be a commitment by the industry to remove the chemical from their product, which is possible, because this potato chip industry did this years ago when they were sued by the same group. So my question is, if they consider this to be an inevitable part of the roasting and that we should accept it, and yet we are also being told that they could remove it Hmm. probably just a bit more expensive to process the coffee in a safe way. And so I wonder, maybe we should drink organic coffee. I don't know. I, I haven't researched whether the organic coffee contains this chemical acrylamide. Well, in Utah, dinosaur footprints keep being thrown in the lake by tourists because they think they are just rocks. Tourists are unwittingly destroying 200-million-year-old dinosaur footprints in Utah by throwing stone slabs into the lake, according to officials. At least 10 prehistoric raptor tracks measuring up to 17 inches long have disappeared from Red Fleet State Park in the last six months. They say it's, it's really a big problem, park manager is telling us. People look to throw rocks off the side. What they don't realize is these rocks they're picking up are covered in dinosaur tracks. The park, which attracts more than 30,000 visitors a year, is also considering sending a diving team into the reservoir to try and recover the footprints. However, they fear that many have been lost forever, either because they shattered on impact or probably dissolved in the water. I wonder if they just might post a sign and let people know. Well, here's a... Another twist, tonight's news is kind of lots of, full of uh, extremes and twists and oddities. Sanctuary status has been declared for a gun owners in Illinois counties. At least five rural Illinois counties have taken a stand for gun rights by co-opting a word that conservatives associate with a liberal policy to skirt the law, sanctuary. At least five counties recently passed resolutions declaring themselves sanctuary counties for gun owners, a reference to so-called sanctuary cities such as Chicago that don't cooperate, cooperate with federal immigration enforcement. The resolutions are meant to put the Democratic-controlled legislature on notice that if it passes a host of gun bills, including new age restrictions for certain weapons, a bump stock ban, and size limit for gun magazines, the counties might bar their employees from enforcing the new laws. It is a word that really gets attention, according to the vice chairman of the Eppington County Board. He said, with all these sanctuary cities for immigrants, we just decided to turn it around to protect our Second Amendment rights. And on a happy note, man wins lottery jackpot both on his birthday 
and his day of retirement. How perfect is that? He lives in Vancouver, Canada. He just won a lottery jackpot of two million Canadian dollars, which is about one and a half million U.S. dollars. He bought a lottery ticket on a lark, since he was feeling pretty good that it was his last day of work and his birthday. He picked all the numbers of the winning lottery draw, which earned him the entire jackpot. Bless his heart. The odds of picking all of those numbers were 1 in 13,983,816. Bless his heart. Wow. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Well, yeah, I think he got a great birthday. Here's a quote (laughs) to get you through the rest of the week. Mark Twain said this. Sometimes I wonder whether the world is being run by smart people who are putting us on or by imbeciles who really mean it. <laughs> he was a clever boy, Mark Twain. Yeah. And uh, so good. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that, except from my heart to yours, each and every one of you. Have a beautiful week. Much love to you. And uh, we're off for a couple of weeks. Ariel, we come back on the 29th, Yes. That's right. That's right. Okay. I'll see y'all on the 29th then. Okay. Thanks so much, Thanks Anastasia, for the Star yep, Seed News. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I am going to um, get Lavender's mic open here and our special guest, Len Caston. Let me get your mic open. Okay. <clears throat> you are on the air, both of you. W- welcome to the show, Len. We're so happy to have you here. Yes, nice to be here. Great, Lavender. I wonder if you could. Okay, I was trying something out. It doesn't work too well. <laughs> okay. okay, we'll stay with this. Okay, great. Lavender, are you ready? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay, well, all right. Take it away. Lynn, I've got to tell you, I love your book, but more than that, I love the CDs. Because I, on my drive to Arkansas in, in, in March, I listened to the first half of it, and then coming back, I listened to the last half, except I didn't get the very last one, number eight. But I wanted to tell our audience, it's great to have the book, but to, to really get the benefit of your information, you need, everyone needs to get the audio books. Because my friend Paul Costanza, uh, he's the one that told me about you, and I tracked it down and got myself a... Uh, some CDs, and oh boy, this was the answer for me about the reptilians. So welcome, Lynn, and why don't you start by explaining to us why you wrote the book and also give us an explanation of the fourth dimension and how the reptilian race is able to impact the human third dimension. Well, I wrote the book because um, what I do is I just connect the dots. That's, that's basically what I do, and I realized that a big piece of information was missing and uh, that's, that prompted me to do the research. And, and as, I, as the more research I did, the more I realized that I was on the right track. Uh, of course, David Icke probably deserves the credit for breaking this ground way back and suffering through the ridicule uh, that he had to go through. But nevertheless, uh, more and more people now understand what's going on. And uh, hopefully... We will we will get enlightened. We will all get enlightened together at this point. So tell us what the stellar origin of the reptilian race is, and where did they come from? 
they originated from the star system Draco, the Draco star system, which is not too far from Orion, really. And uh, how they got there, nobody seems to know. I think the best source of information about the origins of the reptilians would be Alex Collier. Anything you can read by Alex Collier, I think, is would be very worthwhile. Um, yeah, we we love his work. We, yeah, we okay, so you work. know about it. Yeah. Um, the, rep, the reptilians uh, have been around in this galaxy for a long, long time, and uh, they've had they've had uh, spacefaring technology for thousands of years. And so the human race, us, we just we got here relatively recently, uh, perhaps 50,000, what we call the Homo sapiens sapien uh, is, race is probably only about 50,000 years old, whereas the, the reptilians go back way, way back. How far back do you think they go? Perhaps millions of years. Yeah, okay. We know they've had space-faring technology for thousands of years. We know that because they've, they've, they, they have been all over the galaxy. And uh, they, when, they, when they encounter a civilization that looks promising to them, they have, no inf- in, they have no interest whatever in being friendly. Their only interest is in dominating and enslaving. That's just the way they're built. Uh, they don't have the kind of compassion and, and heart chakra. They don't have to have the heart chakra that the human race does. So that's what we're up against here. Uh, that's why they were able to to back the the Nazis and and also the the, the Japanese in World War II. We we know that uh, they didn't really care about about the tra- about all the tragedies that were going on in World War II. All they were concerned about was domineering and uh, taking over, and slaving. So it, they're, they're a very different type of race. We have to understand that, that we're not going to convert them or make them into nice people or nice guys. That's not going to happen. They are what they are, and we are what we are. So can you give us a, like a physical description of people that have characteristics of, of the reptilians? Is it about their eyes, or what have you noticed? Well, they do look. They do look like they have lizard-like features. Yes, and their, their skin is scaly for the most part. They have a long snout, very much like a lizard. And uh, as Alex Collier has said, they're ugly. They really are ugly. But uh, that's neither here nor there. That just happens to be what they are. A lot of animals are ugly, but they are humanoid in shape. They have two arms, two legs, a head, and. Uh, the Draco, the original Draco race, uh, some of them can be up to 14 feet tall, and they're very powerful, very powerful. But probably their most fearsome attribute is their ability to uh, master genetic genetic engineering, you might call it. They're master geneticists, and that's why they have been able to create a hybrid race so are they working with the greys? Are, are the greys, the Zetas, working with them to do hybrid uh, children? Is that what's going on? 
Well, the grays themselves are reptilian hybrids. Okay. And uh, the reptilians have have learned how to uh, create many, many different types of creatures through genetic engineering. Uh, and wherever they go, that's what they do. They hybridize. They take the native population and they and they cross it with their own uh, genetics and they create hybrids. And the hybrids become part human and part reptilian. Uh, and the more the more reptilian blood they have, the more reptilian they are. So uh, we have to be aware of that. So um, since the reptilians want to present themselves as conquerors, uh, are all reptilians evil, or are there are is any, any good reptilians on the planet? No, we're not really talking about evil anymore, because evil doesn't apply. Evil, evil implies that you know better, uh, you just choose to do bad, bad things. The reptilians are just what they are. They are what they are, and... To us, they appear evil because they're so dominating and domineering. All they want to do is conquer and enslave. But that's their, that's their makeup. That's what they're all about. Uh, it's not that they have chosen to do something evil or ungodly. That's the nature of their race. So, on the other hand, we're, we're more interested in compassion and uh, knowledge and things like that, they are only interested in conquest. And that's why the whole first third of my book, really, almost the first third of my book, is about their origins and what kind of lives they led uh, initially uh, in the, in the, as in the uh, Draco star system before they, even, before they even arrived here in this solar system. I noticed that in your book you have a chapter on Atlantis. I love what this says. History becomes legend, legend becomes myth, and myth becomes a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. advantage of all of that. Tell us a little um, bit about the um, reptilians and Atlantis. Well, the, the, the reptilians were here before we were in the solar system. They actually settled this solar system before there were any humans here. Uh, but we have to go way back to, the, to the, the, the origins of the human race in this galaxy. The, the human race, as we know it, or a variation thereof, started out in the star system of Lyra. That's the birthplace, the birth, the birth uh, galaxy. I shouldn't say galaxy. I should say star system of the human race in this galaxy. And the humans lived there very peacefully and uh, very quietly. They traded with each other. They uh, took care of each other. And uh, they, had, they, had a, they had a beautiful civilization in Lyra on several stars within the Lyra system. And then one day the reptilians showed up. As they did, they, they was, since they since they always navigated and looked for new lands to conquer, new star systems to conquer, they eventually came to Lyra. And the very first confrontation between the human race and the reptilian race was in Lyra. 
And apparently, according to Alex Collier, there was a misunderstanding. The reptilians uh, came to believe that the Lyrans uh, didn't like them or were wary of them, and uh, they decided that uh, they were going to conquer them and use them for what they could, whatever they could, which is what they normally do. And they ended up slaughtering 50 million Lyrans and destroying three stars, three planets in, this, in the Lyran star system. And that was the beginning of the whole problem between the human race and the Lyran race. Uh, the Lyrans spread throughout the galaxy. Many of them did have spacefaring technology. They settled, they left, they had to leave Lyra uh, because they could no longer live there under those conditions. And they spread to 100 different, 110 different star systems. And many of them did develop spacefaring technology. And ultimately that, that became a, what we call the Federation. Those 110 star systems became the Human Federation. And uh, they, they tried to avoid the reptilians wherever they could, but they settled this particular solar system uh, about a million years ago. And the first, the first uh, continent that the reptilians ha they inhabited was Lemuria. And for a long time, they had this particular solar system all to themselves. There were no humans here. They, uh, they lived in Lemuria after having more or less dried out this planet which was ultimately was originally Earth was a water planet, and the reptilians dried it out, and they had, with their technology, they were able to do that. And when they did that, two continents emerged, one Lemuria and the other one was Atlantis, but there were no inhabitants on Atlantis. So the reptilians lived here all by themselves for many thousands of years. At that, at that point, the Federation decided they were not going to allow the reptilians to take this solar system, and they sent a very fierce race of humans from the Pleiades to this solar system, and they inhabited the continent of Atlantis. And they, they were called the Atlans, and that's, why, that's how the, name, the continent got its name of Atlantis. And that was the beginning of the Atlantean, of the uh, human-reptilian wars on this, in this solar system. The... Uh, the, the, the Atlanteans developed a tremendous technology just to, to match whatever the reptilians had, and the wars were constant. The, uh, the reptilians, of course, uh, brought with them, when they came here, they brought with them their dinosaurs. They used the dinosaurs as a food source, the way we use cows. And uh, the, the dinosaurs were trampling down the agricultural areas of Atlantis, and that started the whole war that ultimately became uh, uh, the war between the two continents, and the reptilians lost that war. The Atlanteans had tremendously high electromagnetic technology, and they found a way to sink the continent of Lemuria, literally to uh, push it beneath the waves of the Pacific. And that, that was the beginning of the, the golden age of Atlantis, of the human race on Atlantis. And uh, the reptilians went underground and started their own 
technology, their own civilization underground. And uh, they've been down there ever since. But when they go underground, what they do is they actually, they actually create a whole new civilization underground. They have tremendous technology. They have high-speed trains. They have all kinds of uh, incredible technology. And, of course, they can, they can leave and come up to the surface anytime they want. So the whole struggle between the human race and the reptilian race began with that beginning, with Atlantis versus Lemuria. And then the reptilians did what they always do when they want to, when they want to conquer a civilization. They, they create hybrids, part human and part, part reptilian and part human, and then the, the hybrids infiltrate the civilization and weaken it from within, and then the reptilians can easily conquer it. Uh, they create a, what, the, what they call a, a fifth column. In, and so that's exactly what happened on Atlantis. And eventually they managed to sink Atlantis. So this is how far back it all goes. So did they sink Atlantis, or did the Pleiadians help sink it? I mean, wh what was the actual uh, decision about what happened with Atlantis? I'd heard several different stories about the crystal uh, being misused and all kinds of technology being misused, and I've heard so many different explanations. I'd like to hear your explanation of what actually happened in the last hours of Atlantis. Well, my understanding is that uh, as the hybrids, as the Atlantean hybrids uh, uh, spread throughout the continent as the reptilians started creating uh, the, the mixed bloodlines and the hybrids eventually uh, the, the, uh, they corrupted the entire human civilization from within and uh, the, the reptilians more or less through, through the fifth column technique uh, they converted when, when when they create hybrids. The hybrids, by them in and of themselves, are no longer human because uh, the human soul cannot really inhabit a hybrid, uh, a reptilian hybrid body. So a hybrid in and of itself is already uh, non-human. And as the hybrids populated the the Atlantean continent, they started to take over the levers of power, as they usually do, and uh, created what, what we now think of as black magic and witchcraft and things like that. But actually, it, it, they were, those were really, those were really uh, hybrid values, and that was basically what the hybrid civilization was into. And eventually, they, the weaponry, uh, the humans on Atlantis decided since they knew the reptilians all lived underground, that they would point their weapons down, down instead of uh, across. And the electromagnetic pulse weapons weakened the, uh, the Atlantean shelf and the continent. And uh, the, then, then, of course, there were a lot of the... Uh, uh, the... the uh, Eruptions of volcanic volcanic uh, activity on Atlantis, and the combination sank the continent of Atlantis. It went down. It went down in segments. Really, the the largest island was the last one to go, 
But by that time, the Atlanteans had already migrated all over the, all over the, uh, the globe because the, uh, the Atlanteans did have a very high psychic and, and prophetic uh, powers, and they knew, that they knew what was coming, and so the migrations started hundreds of years before Atlantis actually went down. And they migrated to Central America, to, uh, to the Pillars of Hercules, and to Greece, and all over. So by the time Atlantis actually sank, uh, the humans had already spread throughout the, throughout the, throughout the globe. A lot, of the, a lot of the Atlanteans became the mystery schools in the, in the Himalayan mountains. A lot of them uh, created high civilizations in Central America, the Mayan civilization, uh, wherever, wherever the Atlanteans went, they brought their spirituality with them. And uh, so from, from that, the conflict continued between the reptilians underground and the humans above ground. How many do you think are still uh, functioning underground now? Do you have a number of... Or, or where are the places underground? Are they in South America, North Pole? Where, where do you find these underground mostly, places? Mostly under the Indian subcontinent. The largest, the largest underground reptilian civilization is is under the uh, is under the is under the uh, Indian subcontinent. Uh, they have a they have their capital city down there called Bogavita, uh, under 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 India. And uh, but they're all over the place. They're everywhere, really, because they can travel on, they can travel all over the globe on high-speed trains. They go at hypersonic speeds. They can they can go in and out of the pole, polar regions, out into the out into the uh, galaxy whenever they choose, because they have the technology. So that's what we're dealing with. How about that Switzerland collider? Is that part of their plan? Yeah, you know, uh, when when they uh, finally created that tunnel, uh, they did celebrate, and uh, you know what, what they what they call the the God particle is that what you're talking about? Yes, yes. You know, I think it is. That's my own opinion. Uh, I think it that's definitely part of their plan for taking over this planet, and um, exactly how it works, I'm not sure. But the uh, master geneticists, uh, they've created, they can create any kind of creature they want. They know that we, 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 have no, we have no capabilities in terms of genetics that can match theirs at this point. We're How slowly about getting the Pleiadians? There. Don't they have something that can match it? Well, we're, we're slowly getting there. I don't know if you've been watching the news or not. Uh, have you heard about the CRISPR? You know what that is? No, what? We now have the ability to actually to actually cut and paste uh, DNA. We can create uh, we can create and prevent uh, birth defects. Now, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's it's called CRISPR, C R I S P R. It's it's a way to to change the genetics of unborn children. Before the, uh, to to make them normal if they have if they know they're going to be born with defects and uh, they can start to create 
very, very different creatures with CRISPR. So if you keep keep an eye on the, on that that news item because eventually, uh, you know, it used to be that the only way you could change DNA was through was through um, through radiation, but that's all changed now. So uh, we, the human race, now have are almost have the ability that the reptilians have in terms of genetics, and we're advancing rapidly along those along that area in that area. How about Montauk and the experiments of mind control several years ago? Was that were they in? Was the reptilians part of that? Well, uh, mind control is some is a technique they've been using for thousands of years. They know how to do that, and uh, the the Montauk experiments with young children, uh, they were able to do that. Yes. Uh, in fact, the, the German and the Nazi capabilities in mind control all were given to them by by the reptilians because of that because of the the zeal they had with the reptilians. Can I get you to talk a little bit about the uh, the fake death of Hitler and how and how that came about, and also talk a little bit about the million souls that that they cloned. The million souls that who cloned the Nazis? The Nazis? Well, yeah. Uh, when I was hearing the story by Paul, um, reading, he said something about that Hitler had, or that the reptilians had cloned a million soldiers without souls and sent them okay, down yeah. to help in the war. That was speculation on my part uh, because it became clear to me uh, that after World War One. The Germans didn't even have a, didn't even have an army. They had a they had a few uh, veterans, aging veterans, uh, a lot of whom were were in bad shape, and uh, they certainly didn't have a million man army ready to go to war. So uh, it became clear to me that what happened was when the, when the Nazis made their deal with the reptilians, uh, the reptilians created an army for them. Basically, cloned an army for the for the Germans, and uh, if, if you you know in every any World War Two movie that you've seen, I'm sure you've noticed that the uh, the German soldiers just obeyed orders without questioning them. They were really robotic in many ways, whereas the American and the Allied soldiers would question things and would think about things, and uh, they did not just obey orders. And that was the difference between the two armies, and that's the reason, basically, that we won. That we won the war was that that the Americans and the Allied soldiers uh, were able to be creative uh, under wartime conditions, whereas the German army was just robotic, and they would just they would just march into sh- uh, surefire uh, uh, situations that they knew they were going to get killed. It didn't matter to them. Tell us so, a little bit about how Hitler left Germany and went to uh, Argentina. Yeah, Hitler survived World War II. He, uh, he and, and uh, Eva Braun, they were they were married in the underground bunker in late April of 1945. But after that, 
they escaped through a tunnel system that ended up in the uh, German uh, subway system. Uh, it was, it was Bormann that, that put the whole thing together. And then they got on a plane for Denmark, and in Denmark or in, in the, in the, in the uh, uh, near Denmark, they got on a submarine and uh, went across the Atlantic and ended up in Argentina. So Hitler was very much alive in 1945. How long did he live, do you know? According to what I've read, he died somewhere in the early 60s. He lived for a long time. You know, in Argentina, was, there's very strong German, Germanic culture there, going all the way back to World War I. And uh, so he was very much at home. In fact, it was, he was almost like, it was almost as though he lived in the, in, the, uh, in the Alps, because the ski area there was very much alpine, and, and uh, he was surrounded by his friends, and he uh, he was able to 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 last for quite a long time. Eventually, he and Eva Braun split up. She moved out, moved about 150 miles north of where he was living. But uh, my understanding is he he lived in, until about 1962. And the Americans, uh, the FBI knew about his existence. J. Edgar Hoover knew about it. How about um, Antarctica? Did he ever go and visit Antarctica and what was happening on the underground base in Antarctica? Was was he part of that? I don't think Hitler ever actually lived in Antarctica. He lived. He stayed in Argentina. Uh, he also lived in Chile for a while. Uh, but one of the one of the major uh, one, one of the most important Nazis that went to Antarctica was Hans Kammler. Kammler was the scientist and uh, he, was, he was a civil engineer. He was a scientist that first was able to build the Nazi uh, anti-gravity disks, and uh, and he escaped to he escaped to Antarctica, and he led the scientific development in Antarctica of the Nazis' flying disks. That's why when we sent a we sent a fleet of ships down to uh, Antarctica. They were able. They were able to sink our ships, and they killed about. I think it was something like uh, several thousand U.S. Marines in Operation High Jump. So we Kammer never heard was, anything about that up here. About High Jump? Yeah. Oh well, you know now everybody knows about it. Oh. Have you read? Haven't you read about it recently? No, I'm just now hearing it from you. Well, I wrote about it in the book. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess I just didn't catch that part. It's really something. Wow. Well, after after uh, after World War II, the American CIA and the American intelligence community knew knew that there was a German Nazi colony in Antarctica, and they found that out from the British, because the British had been there for quite a long time, and. Uh, they more or less, they more or less let us know about the fact that there was a Nazi colony in Antarctica, and Hans Kammler was the key guy there. So we made the decision to send a, to send a fleet down there, and about 6,800 Marines to wipe out the Nazi base. But unfortunately, by that time they had already perfected anti-gravity technology, and they 
they killed a lot of American uh, sailors, sank a lot of our ships because the, uh, the flying discs were impossible to uh, to take to take on. Our, our 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 airports could not handle it. We actually sent didn't send down any American uh, uh, planes. We sent out some. We sent down mainly an aircraft carrier that uh, was able to uh, launch these these planes in, into uh, into the air, but they weren't really the kind of planes that won, that won World War II. So uh, Admiral Byrd was in charge of that mission, and after the uh, it was supposed to have been a six-month mission to wipe out the Nazi base, which they they knew existed, and after two months they they had to turn around and go back because they they realized they were they were going to lose. And Byrd was not very pleased, and uh, he spoke before a Senate subcommittee and suggested that we turn Antarctica into a thermonuclear test range. But uh, Operation High Jump made it clear to us that we weren't going to be able to match the German technology in Antarctica. And if we couldn't defeat them, then we may as well join them, and that's what happened. So how about the reptilian bloodlines? How do you connect them to the Illuminati? Well, the Illuminati really were the beginning of the Illuminati were the hybrids, and the more the more reptilian blood they had, the more uh, reptilian they were. In fact, the royal, all the royal families of Europe were hybrids, and uh, that's why they that's why they didn't intermarry. That's why they that's why they intermarried to keep the bloodline pure. Uh, so uh, so So the bloodline of Jesus was was Pleiadian right so that that experiment was to come to counteract the reptilians on the planet is that correct well the the reptilians uh, were corrupting the human civilizations in the Middle East and uh they had they had very very barbaric rituals. Uh, they uh, they had human sacrifice. In other words, the Federation realized that if we didn't do something, if they didn't do something here to counteract the reptilian uh, civilization, that they were going to take over the planet, and that was what was necessary was a spiritual reawakening of the humans on this on, on this planet and that was the begin- that's why that's why they created christianity and uh, i know it i know it's, it sounds a little uh strange to say that a reptilian a uh, an extraterrestrial civilization created christianity but that's what happened sounds no like me <laughs> what's that yeah. So tell us more about some of the organizations and groups that the Illuminati is, is aligned with, I think some organizations that maybe we need to be aware of. Well, of course, they have all the money. They control the, they control the banks. They control the uh, media. They control Hollywood. Uh, they they uh, use mind control on, on us. Uh, if, we, if we don't... If we don't 
find a way to raise our consciousness, uh, they will take over. That's the situation at the present time. The only way we can win this is by raising our consciousness. And and their technique is to keep our consciousness low by... uh, uh, playing by by giving us all of these toys to play with and uh, keeping our media and our literature and our movies at a uh, low level. How about the food supply, like Monsanto? Well, they poison the air, they poison the water, they poison the food. Yes, of course, all of that. That's how they do it. That's what they do. Um. They they're much they're much more advanced than we are, and the only way we can ever uh, match them in terms of technology, in terms of uh, spirituality, is through raising our consciousness, and that's what all the great religious leaders of the human race have tried to do, and uh, they can but they can they can counteract that. They have ways of counteracting that. So you say that they have a large base over in India. So have they tried to influence some of the religions in India? Well, the reptilians have created all the all the religions except for Christianity, and okay. uh, they're behind. They're basically behind all of them. And they're all they're all really a form of. I, I know this sounds a little uh, strange, but they're all a form of mind control. It's a form of mind control, and mind control is how they is how they control the human race. That's how they keep us controlled. So, unless we can get above that, have you read the? Did you read the last uh, chapter in my book? No, I haven't read the last chapter. No, I, I and I haven't heard uh, CD number eight. I'm, I stopped at seven. Well, the last the last chapter is really an appendix. And the name of it is, uh, it's about the fact that... uh, Called The Path to Victory? Path to Victory, yes. And that that whole, that whole, that that entire appendix was written by an extraterrestrial from the star system Procyon, which is a human star system. In other words, that was one of the star systems that the, that the... um, the uh, human race spread to after Lyra was attacked. Procyon was one of them. And the human, the humans on Procyon were very advanced for a long time, but then the, the greys infiltrated the Procyon system and eventually did what they always do. They created the hybrids and they took over. So he was a refugee from Procyon. <coughs> His name was Kyla. K-H-Y-L-A. And what he said in that path to victory is that that's the only way we have a chance of defeating them is by raising our consciousness. And he said he, that he speaks from experience because he he was part of that civilization that was conquered by the Greys on Procyon. <coughs> I so, just now opened the book, The Path to Victory. I'd like to read that one paragraph that James Bartley wrote, The Original Serpent Seed. The reptilians strive to activate that dark serpent seed which is programmed within all of us. The struggle is within. The opposing polarities of good and evil are striving to promote certain attributes and behaviors within us. 
One side wants to corrupt us from within. The other wants us to break out of this spiritual prison. Ultimately, it comes down to your own individual choice. I hesitate to use the term free will because being an abductee myself, I know that I have been manipulated and programmed, and it's a constant struggle to overcome all of these hang-ups. But that's what will make the ultimate victory that much greater. I firmly believe in the indomitable, and I firmly believe that it is our destiny to achieve nobility as a race. If we had just been left alone, I am sure we would have reached that level of greatness already. But at last, that hasn't been the case. By James Bartley. Yeah, yeah. Bartley is really he's he's really good. He's very good. And uh, he and he and uh, who was who was that woman that he Carla? What was her name? Carla Turner. Oh yeah. Uh, Carla Turner. Yeah, she was a great one. She. Of course, they killed her. I I know that they killed her. Killed her. That's correct. And uh, he knew he knew that they killed her. And uh, she she fought it as hard as she could, but she couldn't she couldn't possibly uh, over. She she didn't know, really know what to do. She didn't have the, the understanding of how to of how to raise the consciousness. But she she understood that that was what had to be done. And Bartley uh, is very much aware of that. Yeah, he's he's a good guy to read. If you can get anything by Bartley, definitely read it. You know, William Bramley, he wrote Gods of Eden, and I thought that was a very excellent book. And I found that that uh, whenever I would give this book uh, as a reference to people to read, and I'd tell them, I'd say, now, I want to tell you about page 58, <laughs> because there's some sleepy juice that's going to come over you and have you put down the book so you can't read it. And it happens on page 58. And sure enough, people would tell me, oh, I got so sleepy. Oh, I had to put down the book. But but then they went back and, and, and they knew that there was some kind of mind control that was happening on page 58 of the book. You know, it's amazing how they can do that, isn't it? How they can make that happen? Yeah. Their, 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 their technology is incredible. They, they have technology that basically is still uh, thousands of years ahead of us. But our only our only uh, possibility is by raising our consciousness because we have the ability to reach into the fifth and sixth dimension. The spiritual race, the spiritual origins of the human race, if you read Alex Collier, uh, is far is far greater than the reptilians. The reptilians only know how to conquer, but they have no spirituality really. So uh, if we can get to that level. Where, we, where our creativity is completely enhanced, then it will no longer be it will no longer be a a, 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 a it no longer be a contest after that. And the and Alex mentions the fact that they're basically afraid of us because they know that the reptilians are basically afraid of us. Collier says that we, the human race, are royalty, and uh, they know that. So. Once we give them that advantage, we give them that advantage. We give up our we're giving up our own power by doing that. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm looking at the time, and at this time, I'd like to pass you over to my co-host Ariel, and she has the switchboard. Would you be willing, maybe, to talk to some people that may want to call in and talk to you? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, then it's been most fascinating. 
and I'm I'm going to listen to that eighth CD. I promise. I can, I'm going to put okay. it in the in the car right. when I drive to Arkansas this next week. I will finish it. And and thank you so much for uh, taking the time to write this wonderful, wonderful book. I'm very pleased and happy to know that you're on the planet. So well, back good. to you, Ariel. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, at this time, if um, if you have a question and you're already on the switchboard, then all you need to do is press 1 to let us know that you'd like to come on the air with a question. And if you're listening on the computer, then just pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. And um, our um, producers will help you uh, through the process. We've got a caller uh, coming on in just a couple of minutes here. Uh, so while they're going through that, um, is there any other uh, points that you would like to make um, about your book? Well, you know, uh, probably the key to the whole thing has to do with mind control. Uh, if, we can, if we can identify all the various forms of mind control that we're under, in terms of both religion, uh, media, uh, movies, books, if we can start to identify those, we can escape from mind control, I think then we'll have a shot at, at winning, this, winning this battle. But that's the key. The key is the fact that they understand mind control and they understand hypnosis and all the various forms of hypnosis. And we're very, we're very new at that game. Right, uh, yes, right. Yes, I understand. Well, I mean, do they, yes. um, you know, do they code it in electromagnetic frequencies that can come through the wireless technology? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And So uh, when you talk on a cell phone, you could be um, the victim of mind control? Yeah, well, you know, uh, it starts in our educational system, really. It starts in, in, in high school and college. Uh, they they get us uh, believing in certain so-called scientific realities, which are really not scientific at all. They're opinions. Uh, so, and we get to the point where we actually believe that uh, these things are absolutely true because some scientists said they were. If we can get beyond that and start to really think for ourselves, uh, then we have a shot at it, then we have a chance. Well, yeah, you have to. People just have to wake up, and and you know take their power. So um, our caller is out of the uh, screening room here, and um, this is your friend and ours, Mr. Paul. Let me get the mic open. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Welcome Hi, to the Paul. show. How are you? Nice to nice to talk with you, Len. How are you? I'm here. I'm fine. I hope you are too. Um, I, I've got to tell you, I just. Uh, I'm so thankful that you that you put this book together, and I was really honored to to be able to read it. It was so fascinating. As soon as I started recording it, I, I called Lavendar right away and I said, "You've got to get Len on here. This book is just absolutely fantastic." Oh wow! Well, and thank it you. was both. Uh, it was it was uh, not only fascinating in, in that you gave the history from from square one, but also the challenge of it uh, in in trying to read the different languages and all of the, the reptilian uh, language that you tried to put, you know, uh, to, to help me to read. And, 
it's 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 quite a book. I I need to go back and actually listen to what I did again because I was so concerned with doing the right thing with this that uh, I need to go back and listen to the information again. Well, I, I think you talk about, I, what I've what I've been told, you really did a marvelous job. I haven't even heard it yet, and I can't wait to no, hear you, it. You, I, you, I don't have a copy right now, but all all you the you're getting are that you really did a heck of a job. Really oh, that's great news. Yes. Great news. Well, contact the publisher. They'll, they're, they're happy to give you, uh, they're happy to send you one. I will, they will. But I've I, got I a rant to about, That's what I'm going to do. I, I wanted to ask um, you about mind control, because you're talking about mind control, and that seems to be up, of course. But whenever there's a school shooting, I always go to that. I think there are some unusual characters that seem to be targeted uh, for no for no particular reason that would seem to uh, underscore a certain agenda. And I've talked to Lavendar about this. What's your take on that? You mean, you mean why certain certain guys get into their head to start shooting people? Mm-hmm. Well, to of make course the population they're perhaps they more vulnerable. It's a form of hypnosis. Uh, all of these, all the so-called uh, mass murderers, uh, especially the one in California, what was his name again? They, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're basically they're controlled from the astral, from the fourth dimension. And Bartley talks about how the fact that the uh, the reptilians can can actually control the dreamscape. Uh, that's how they get a nation ready for war. They they get all the young men uh, more or less hypnotized and cruel. Uh, so that they can they can tolerate uh, uh, horrible horrible uh, things in war, and that's all done in the dreamscape, according to Bartley. And I think Bartley does definitely has that right. You know, so you people you, you people, have voices, the, you, people have voices sorry, in their head. They don't know where it's coming from. They don't know where the voices are coming from. And, but do you, do you agree with me that it seems to be some sort of agenda to to make a, a, a populace more vulnerable, taking away taking away guns? Uh, it's 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 an issue that really is, in a way, I think, a non-issue in some cases. I mean, it, it, the, the the shootings themselves are very strange. They're suspicious to me. Oh, they are absolutely yes. It's a form. Of, it's a form of hypnosis, definitely. Some some young men are more susceptible to it than others. And uh, especially if they happen to have some reptilian blood, which they do frequently. And if you want to read uh, David Icke about that, David Icke has a lot of information about that. But, um, yeah, that's how it works. That's how it works. So you've written about so many things that you've written about their strengths and what they can do. And, you know, it would seem that, we don't have a chance against that because of the distractions they provided because of the technology that takes our attention constantly. Uh, what, what are we to do about that? How are we to raise our consciousness to combat that? Well, in that, in that last appendix, uh, Kyla gives his recommendation. He said, he says that if we can focus um, in our minds on the highest, the highest thing we can think of, the, the highest people, the most uh, uh, the most developed and, and, and people in our history. He talked about Gandhi, for instance. 
he mentioned Gandhi and he mentioned uh, some others. If we can focus on that, eventually that will raise our consciousness. He said that's what they failed to do. They didn't do that in Procyon, and that's why they were infiltrated, and that's why they lost. And so he's telling us how we can save our civilization if we can learn how to do that. If we can keep our, if we can keep our, 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 our minds elevated and read the highest forms of literature that we get our hands on, we can resist the, the programming. We can resist the programming. As you go, well, as you go out there and speak about the book and, and you interact with people, do you feel that, do you see that there's a, a more of a, a surge toward that, that more people pushing in, 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 a, in a higher direction? Yes, I do, but they can counteract that. They know how to do that. They can they can create mass consciousness through music, through movies, and these things catch on and we think that they're they're interesting and they're fun. We don't realize what they're doing to our to our consciousness. And uh we just do not take the time to really develop our consciousness. It's a matter of development, really. And it may not be popular. The things that we that we should do it may not be popular because it's a fad. It's not a fad, and we follow fads. So um, that's really our only hope because the human race the human race is is basically a highly spiritual race. We can reach into the fifth and sixth dimensions. The reptilians cannot do that. They cannot do that. So uh, we are we are basically. Uh, more pa- basically more powerful than they are really if we could what just achieve if we could just achieve our highest our highest aim but it's not easy well, i like uh, like lavender i was i was fascinated with the um, with the extreme detail of how Bormann got hitler and eva braun out uh you know towards the end of the war i mean that was that was really something and you know having an uncle who was a prisoner of the nazis and a father who also was badly injured in World War II. That was um, that was fascinating to learn about. Just really amazing. So you're saying that Borman was Hoover able to knew about? Yeah, yeah, he was he was Hoover, a brilliant guy. He really was. And uh, so Hitler, Hoover knew Hitler about this because there was, So Hoover knew about this, but there was really nothing to be done as long as he was not in power. Correct. Well, what happened? What happened was uh, after we lost Operation High Jump. Uh, the FBI and the CIA realized that we couldn't really fight them. We had better join them. And so basically what happened is the Nazis took over. They took over this, this country. Uh, von Braun was just one aspect of that. Here we, here we took uh, one, of the, one of Germany's best scientists and put him in charge of the CIA and in charge of the, uh, uh, NASA. Uh, and that whole paperclip thing. The Nazis basically took over our industry in the 70s, the 60s and 70s. And it was done without firing a shot. That was also amazing detail in the book. So, I mean, I I continue to recommend the book to people, and uh, I thank you once again for for writing it and and for having a minute to talk with you. So thanks again, Len. Thank you for for doing a heck of a job on that, uh, on the uh, Audible. I really appreciate it. All right, get yourself a copy. <laughs> I will. <laughs> okay. Well, Paul, thanks so much for calling in. Sure. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.
Wow. So the audio book is uh, the audio version of the book is relatively new. I think Paul did it about uh, I think about three or four months ago. Yeah. Okay. So um, and and is it available at innertraditions.com? It is, and I think it's also available through Amazon. Okay. You get on Amazon. Make well, sure yeah. Amazon sure does people. sell a lot of audible copies. They do that. Okay, so whether you want the audio book or the uh, text um, hard copy, <clears throat> you can go to innertraditions.com forward slash author forward slash Len hyphen Kasten, and that's K-A-S-T-E-N, or you can go to Amazon and just put the name in there or the title, and I'm sure you'll see what they've got there. So it, Yeah. Oh, I find it really interesting. Barnes and Noble has also has it. Oh, great, great. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. The uh, uh, you, you, they still Barnes and Noble is still in business. They sell books online too. Okay, great. I find it really interesting. I didn't know that um, that the reptilians could not um, connect with the fifth dimension or the sixth dimension. And uh, and I, I think that's really fascinating because, as as humans, I mean, in raising consciousness, I think, in my opinion, it, it kind of boils down to um, being able to perceive and discern higher truth, to live with compassion for others, to be more neutral and not get into that polarity where it's you know us or them. You know, because when you get into polarity with something, you're actually feeding it. So by staying neutral, um, expanding the the, the compassion and um, caring for other human beings, um, being grateful and um, using, you know, claiming your power and connecting with the fifth dimension. There are yeah. millions of star seeds who are already doing that. I know exactly. But see, that's why the, the subtitle of my book is. Uh, how the reptilians uh, are divide by divide and conquer strategy. That's exactly what they do. But that's how they that that's how they conquer. They divide and conquer. So by staying neutral, of course, you avoid that. So you're absolutely right, right you with you. And uh, when you uh, any time, and I'm just speaking in very broad general terms, but when you're in a situation where you know you get a little flare of 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 anger or or resentment or judgment or anything like that if you immediately replace it with compassion that that takes you out of that polarity dance and allows you to stay neutral exactly and you know that's why uh the the Elohim created Christianity was for that very reason you know really uh what Jesus taught is a very uh, the, the lessons he taught are very hard for us to understand they're still way beyond most people. Uh, when he said, you love your neighbor as yourself, that's a very difficult thing to do. And uh, until we can reach that point, you know, we're not going to make much progress. I'm not saying right. you have to believe in all of the dogma of Christianity. I'm just saying that what he, what he taught was really basically they were he was teaching extraterrestrial uh, information, basically. Absolutely. And, I mean, in my opinion, it was not their intent to create 
Christianity. They didn't want to create a religion. They wanted to oh, show us exactly the right. way. They yeah, exactly. They wanted to show us the way, and then and then that you know the the teachings got a little twisted. And uh, let's leave that part out. Let's not tell them that. So already the reptilians were hijacking. And we have we have Constantine. We have Constantine to thank for that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but for four, I guess it was at the fourth century. Um, there are there are people that many many people that have followed down through history the true teachings, and it is about you know love thy neighbor and um, and healing and compassion. So you know when somebody steals your parking spot. <laughs> Just have some compassion because how do you know that they don't have a sick child and they're in a hurry to help the child? You know, so I always try to take a you know uh, take a moment and say, well, you know, put yourself in their shoes and and find some compassion instead of just like, like oh, you so and so, you know, and and get into that road rage thing. <laughs> so uh, little things that well, we, we do can have, all do. We do, have that, we do have to deal with that reptilian brain. That's one of the problems, but really. Uh, we, that that is more than counterbalanced by the fact that we can reach into the sixth dimension. Uh, yeah, the reptilian brain is a problem because it's, it deals only with survival and fear and all the things that uh, weaken us. But if we can get outside of that reptilian brain and get rise above it and into the mammalian and the rational brain, then that's where our power lies. Those, those, those that's where our power lies. We've got to get away. From, yeah. Yeah, and we all have the power to choose whether to be mad at somebody or to forgive them. Exactly. Yes, exactly you know? right. And when you choose you choose forgiveness or compassion, you've already transmuted um, the the opposition. So yeah, yeah, you know, the more I thought about this, the more I come to realize that forgiveness is one of the hardest things that any human being can do. It's very difficult to get all wrapped up in vengeance and getting even and so forth, to, to, to lose sight of the fact that, can I really forgive this person? If you, if you, can't, if you can't do that, and it's, then how are you ever going to make any progress? You know? Yeah, yeah. And if you don't forgive them, then you've got a karmic bond. Right, and, exactly. And you've actually invited them into your, your future lives. So when you look at it like that, it's like, I think I'll forgive you now because I don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah, and I'll that's just, right. It's you know, being practical, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, forgiveness is is as much for ourselves to to disconnect and detach from hurts and injustices. Uh, so you just transmute it, you know. I, I and I mean, forgiveness is a, is really a transmutation. So. And we yeah, can is. all benefit right. from that. Yeah. So uh, well, that, that's, those are the lessons we have to learn, and that's what I tried to get across in that last appendix in the book, Path to Victory. Right, right. I mean, you have to be aware of a situation, even if it's not pleasant to look at, and then you offering, you're offering a solution um, in the Path to Victory. So um, that's just a, a really good, complete work. And we're so glad that you were able to come on the show and share your work with our audience. And um, we urge you all to pick up a copy of Len's book, Alien World Order. 
You can get it on innertraditions.com forward slash author forward slash Len hyphen Kasten, or you can look at it, um, uh, look for it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. But uh, do get a copy. And um, again, thanks to Paul for doing a great job on that. We've known him for a long time. Yes, Paul did a great job. So thank you both yeah. for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been our pleasure. And uh, anytime, if you come up with some more, you know, more books, more articles, or whatever, um, let us know. You'd be welcome to come back and, and share any, you know, your future discoveries or connections with us. Well, well good. Thanks for that invitation because I am working on my new book right now. So I'll oh, cool. be in touch. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for sharing your time thank and you. your you information with our audience. So um, that's it for us this evening. Remember, we're going to be off the next two Tuesday nights because we're going to be in Arkansas for the Starseed Quest. And we'll be back on May 29th with another great guest. Until then, be good to yourselves. Find something to be grateful for every day and choose compassion. Until May 29th. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night, everyone. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.